That is powerful. So, I think it's such a real display of what's happening in the world that we live in. All of us have friends, family, and people that can relate to that video. Remember when we, um, since I've been with you guys, when last was I here? Some time ago. <laughs> but since then, we've planted a church. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, um, you know, I said to the guys in Moikluf that although we started with a group of people that went with us, at some stage, we kind of said to people, please do not invite people from every nation any longer. We don't want, we want to reach people who are not in church. People that have that condition. People that are desperate and that are, we're living in a world that's desperate and the challenges and the pressures that people face, which you and I also face as Christians, but you and I have advantage. We have a Jesus. We can go to God and we have a solution where many people don't have that. And may God help us as we ponder and we think about our lives, we live lives that are really, you know, mindful of people's lives. That we are aware of our neighbors, we are aware of our friends, we are aware of people that look, they walk around with a smile on their face, but on the inside it's broken. And maybe you here tonight with the same, and thank you for being here, because this is the right place to be, this is the right place where you can find peace, where you can find healing, it's with Jesus. So those who don't know me, my name is Philip Torres, I'm married to Renee, I've got two beautiful children, Jesse that's 16 years old, he is... Um, Oh, he can stand there. He's like this. <laughs> but when he's on the stage, he's like this. Um, and then Luca is nine years old. And we have the privilege of working with an incredible team of leaders across our citywide church. And seeing what God is doing in our citywide church has been phenomenal. Um, I have the privilege to know what's going on. And it's amazing people like you that makes up a beautiful citywide church. And as a citywide church, we're also part of the body of Christ which I want to encourage you, we need to honor what God is doing across denominations, across the body of Christ, because it's his body, it's his bride. And we're just a part of that. And um, it's been a privilege since we planted, we launched our, officially launched our church in May this year in Moikluf. And God has been really gracious to us. We've seen a, a lot of people come to Christ. There's people, one lady came to our victory weekend and at victory weekend I shared and then she gave her life to Christ. And Austin said, I've been 12 years ago, 12 years I've never been to a church. And she gave her life to Christ and her husband then came to church and, and just so many things. Another guy gave his life to Christ, said, 10 years, never been in a church. That's what, why we planted, is to reach those people. This morning we dedicated actually seven babies from six different families. It was the biggest baby. It was like we had to make space on the stage, move the band back so that the families can get on the stage. It was a big one. And, uh, and funny enough, four of them come from the same connect group. So I wonder what they talk about in that connect group. It's like, uh, okay, but uh, what an incredible moment. And it's a privilege to be with you guys today. Um, it's not just busy schedule. I, I, um, a while ago, last year, actually, I enrolled for doing my master's through every nation. Um, and it's an incredible course. It's a, a just learning so much how to, you know, the pressure on me has been, how do I keep on growing to keep on leading amazing leaders that are blowing in my neck and I kind of have to lead a lot of strong leaders. And so, and I've decided to enroll for my master's and it's been an incredible journey. We just, every year we start with two weeks intensive in Manila where the seminary is based. So last year, I passed my official first year. I've got two years left. Um, it takes about 20 to 25 hours a week. 
So where do I find that time? I don't know. Three o'clock till six o'clock when everybody's sleeping and then at night, but God's been good to us. And everything I learn is what I'm actually applying here, right here tonight. You know, um, the more we understand God and understand the beauty of his word, it's not in performance. It's not in how gifted we are. It's not how privileged we are. And especially this word we're preaching tonight. It's actually just so happened to be the same night when we say bye to Yaku and, and all bye, but bless them and know where God's, I know where they're going. They're going to Europe. <laughs> Don't know where in Europe, but they are going to Europe. But, you know, the message tonight is so in line with what happened here tonight. But even more than that, is as we understand the word of God and we understand how God builds, he uses people, but it's way bigger than people. He uses gifts, but it's way bigger. I'm not irreplaceable. Marinus is not irreplaceable. Yaku is not. We're building on something much bigger than just good leaders. And I believe leadership is important. I believe gifts are important. But it will be a sad day when we miss Christ. Father, I pray as we minister tonight, would you share, would you inspire, would you give your people hope tonight? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you guys. I preached this sermon this morning that I want to just encourage you. You can find our website. I think it will be on, on on Tuesday where I spoke about generational blessing and how God builds through generations. My grandfather had a major influence on my life as a child, five years old. And because of my grandfather and then my dad, I started to serve Jesus. And today I look at Luca and Jesse and how they serve Jesus. I walk into my job. I walked in my son's room the other night before he started school and I found him busy reading his Bible and I didn't walk in because I saw him busy. And the next day he said to me, he spent an hour and a half God preparing his heart for the next term at school. I thought, Lord, what more can I ask for a 16 year old? It's not on his phone, it's not on Instagram, it's in his Bible. There's nothing more we can, and we need to understand that may my children's children's children serve Jesus. It only takes one generation who says, oh, I don't have to gather, let me the comfort of my duvet and sit at home and watch the TV and, you know, kind of, just one generation decide that. Their children will do less and the third generation is gone. And you will no longer have a heritage of people serving Jesus. And my family, my, because of my grandfather, we're already in the sixth generation that are serving Jesus. Blessed are you up to the thousand generations. And that's what we preached on this morning. And I want to encourage you to do this. We're going to dive into Corinthians. And Corinthians is a powerful book. I'm starting with Corinthians 1. And you guys will continue for the next 13 weeks, I think. Okay. So if those of you thought it was messy, it's supposed to be messy when you walk into the venue. The thing about it, I'm going to give you a quick history of Corinthians, which everybody will preach about. But Corinthians is actually a city that was at that stage, today it's still a city, but it's about 60,000 people. It's not that big. But back in the days, it was a powerful business city, a business hub. It was almost like a kind of New York, a Rome where people all travel through and all business people, all roads lead through Corinthians. And because of all the business and all the busyness and all the people attraction and the travels, guess what comes with that if Christ is absent? A lot of sin, a lot of ungodliness, a lot of unholiness. I mean, and it actually came to a place where even the goddess of sex was there and there was a whole temple with a thousand prostitutes that people would go to and they would kind of think if they sleep with the prostitutes, they would find favor in their business, how to curse your life. But they don't know because who's gonna preach the gospel to them? 
Many people today do certain things in, in ancestral worship. Some of you are aware of ancestral worship. Many people do things in all kinds of ways they go into things and, 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 and what they get involved in, not knowing that actually what you're looking for to bless you is actually going to not bless you. Hmm. That's it, my drum. <laughs> so it's important that you and I take note of tonight's message. This city was like Sin City. It was like the Vegas back in the days. It actually was so bad that people started to use the Corinthianizing, which means you live an ungodly wildlife. They used the word Corinthians, the city name became actually a verb to defer to people who live ungodly. It's a bad place. And right in the midst of this, guess what? Paul went to go and plant the church. That is, that is the right place where we need to be, is right there in the Vegas, right there in the brokenness. What you saw in that video, we are right there in the midst of brokenness. That's where we need to be. But the challenge is, we cannot let the world influence us. We need to influence the world. And Paul was looking at this and says, we've planted this church and a lot of beautiful, mature people are in here. But the sounds that he started to hear says, is the world busy influencing you or are you influencing the world? And this church started to complain about all kinds of things. I mean, there was some shaky stuff happening in the church here. I mean, things like people were arguing who to follow who. I'm of Paul, I'm of, I'm of Marinus, no, I'm of Yaku. You know, it's like, you know, they, they, was, they started to argue, you know, they, which leader they prefer and which human being they prefer and, and so on, which was like, silly, did, did any one of them die for you? Did they save you? You see, they were only pointing you to the one who died for you and who saved you, but now you're fighting about it. Paul says, that's silly. I mean, it goes even further. They were starting to... Paul was challenging him, says, listen, you cannot sleep with prostitutes. No matter what's the culture of the city, you are not from the city, you are from heaven. You are born again, out, you were taken out, you're aliens in this world. We don't live like the world. You can't do that. Some people are sleeping with their mother-in-law. Some of them would like taking, you know, his father's wife as a mistress. I mean, this is like stuff happening in the church, guys. How would you feel about that if this is your church? Well, the reality is, it might not be the exact same sin. But that's the beauty of the church of God. It's not perfect. It's being perfected. There's not one of us sitting here tonight and say, well, I'm perfect. If that's the case, I should not preach to you. You should preach to me because I'm not perfect. I'm still in the construction. God is still working in me. God is still, you know, helping me. God is still, you know, saving me. God is still healing me. God is still making me more holy. I mean, when the moment we as leaders get arrogant, it might be a good moment to take stock and look back at your life and say, are you perfect? No, then humble yourself. We are all people with feet of clay. Paul is saying we planted a church here and he's not judging. He's not coming in demanding this church. He's in fact, he could come in with a harsh way and you know, challenging these people and start to, but he doesn't. Let's look at what Paul did. Let's look at Corinthians 1 verse 4 to 9. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. 
God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you are eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Has this leadership on Paul's life. He knows what's going on. He knows this stuff. And here Paul comes and he says, you want to focus on all the stuff and all the bad. You see, sometimes if we help people to say, what you're doing is wrong, although they already know it's wrong. Paul said, let me not focus you on the wrong because that will not save you. Let me focus you on the Savior. It will save you from the wrong. And Paul points them back to the right one. Paul points them back to the only solution. He's not judging their condition. He's pointing them to the solution of their condition. See, Paul reminds them that they have and they enjoy the unmerited favor of God. Already among them, you know, Paul is saying that he reminds them of God's grace. The fact that they say, the fact that there's already a church in this type of city is already the grace of God. And part of that, Paul is saying that you've been blessed with every gift and you've been blessed every way. And Paul starts and says, he points them back to Jesus. There's a principle here. Whenever you and I lose sight of Christ, the world enters our soul. Whenever you and I take our eyes off Jesus, off Jesus means you're putting it on anybody else. It could be a godly leader. It's not Jesus. The moment you put your eyes could be sinful. It could be good, but it's not Jesus. We need to live in a day in every one of us as we face the trials and tribulations and the challenges we face in our nation from load shedding to all kinds of stuff we face and see. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to keep on allowing Jesus not to save us once, but to continue to save us. And when we go through stuff, when we face things and we work through things, look at Jesus. He is the one who not only starts in your life, he's the one who will complete what he started. He is faithful to fulfill whatever he started. He said, well, but you don't know my life. My life is a mess. So was this church. God loves messy lives. Because he can heal it. He can clean it out. The only thing it requires is humility. Teach humility. Humility says, Lord, you're right and I'm wrong. Humility can recognize your sin no matter what other people think. I don't care what you think. I need to be right with Jesus. Humility can look into things and see what it is. And turn back to Christ. Our salvation is all grace. It's not what you and I achieved. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. No man seeks Christ. If you've heard of the seeker sensitive kind of environment, here's the truth of what the word of God tells us. No human being seeks God. He left heaven, came to earth to seek us. He is such an incredible loving God. He loves his creation so much. He sacrificed the comfort of heaven 
He could have watched on his TV screen on heaven, in heaven. He didn't. He went into a messy world that would ultimately reject him and kill him, and he knew it, and he still came. A friend of mine, one of our, our leaders who leads our churches in China, over the years, I've been privileged to get to know him as a personal friend. And in our master's class on apostolic leadership, we had, they phoned in and he, we had an interview with him. And I started to ask him just about the condition of the churches in China. For those who don't know, in the last five years, persecution has escalated majorly in China. Um, it's been there before and there was a season where they relaxed a little bit. In the last five years, the president has gone straight back into totally against Christianity because they realized that the power of Christianity could literally change their nation, change their faith system. Because it became so strong over China now, there are millions and millions and millions of Chinese Christians today. And so they started to increase the persecution. But here's what is interesting about China, and this is actually a message to us. The government has no problem with individuals who are Christians. They're not allowed to gather. Because as individuals, the government has declared they're powerless. It's only in the Western world we think we're powerful because we're independent. The power of the church is when the lungs and the ears and the heart and everything comes together and we put a brain with it, then it functions. It's when the body comes together. It's the gathering. So they can be Christians. Do not gather. If you gather, we will persecute you. You can be Christians individually, but if you gather, we will persecute you. That's not the government. That's the enemy. It's a knowing that if you bring people together and they can humble themselves and they stay together, they will become powerful. In the interview, they asked him a question. said, Jackie, tell us, you know, your online services. Yes, we have online services. We have 1,700 Chinese on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in a Bible study online because we can actually reach all these people. And then he turned and he says, but we also realized we cannot make the gospel cheap because those people will never serve Jesus until they gather. And at the moment while he's speaking, he was in one of our cities. And in that city, he basically, I mean, showed us a picture. Um, I don't know how much I can share because he showed us a picture of 200 Chinese people at Victory Weekend. He says, this is where it's happening. This is where the life of God is moving. Because here we can touch one another. We can hug one another. We can pray for one another. We can stand with one another. And you know what? He says, we've made peace with. Part of our Christian in China is persecution is normal. And if I get caught tomorrow, somebody else will take over. We will never stop. I want to encourage you tonight. Listen to this word that Paul's saying. He's calling us to the place where we will stay together, gather, and nothing separate us. Verse 11 says, My brothers and sisters, some from, um, um, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you saying, I follow Paul. Another say, I follow Paulus. Another say, I follow Cephas, and another say, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? What, was Paul crucified for you? 
You baptized in the name of Paul. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Cyprus, um, um, Crispus and Gaius. What is Paul saying? He says, I don't believe in baptism. No, he says, listen, with you guys so being divided, I'm glad I never baptized any of you <laughs> because then you'll use me an excuse. No, no one can say <coughs> Sorry. that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas beyond you. But beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or elegance, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. What is Paul saying? Paul is not saying he doesn't believe in baptism. And Paul is not saying that baptism is not part of the gospel. Saying you're deviating from the gospel. The gospel does not divide. The gospel unites. Christ did not die so that we would divide. Christ died so that we will unite. He says, if you, in the name of Jesus, declare the name of Jesus. Why is he using name of our Lord Jesus Christ? He says, if you have surrendered yourself to Christ, then because of your willing surrenderness, it is expected that you would live a different lifestyle. That you would change the way you think about things. That you would consider how you relate with one another. Oh, but I don't like this guy, that guy. We don't serve God out of preference. We serve God out of salvation. Because we all were sinners. Unable, unable to judge what is wrong and right because we lost. How can we say what is wrong and right? How can we judge between people? We are different, but that all makes up the beauty of God. It's in the diversity of people. You ask a beautiful question, is Christ divided? It says, if you are in the name of Christ, how can you be in the name of Christ, but you're still divided? He's not. He's calling for unity. And the only thing that brings unity is the true gospel. Are you fighting over your favorite teacher, your favorite worship leader? <laughs> you know, that's great. We enjoy people and so on. It's awesome. But that's not why we come. In the years of years being in ministry, I've seen so many times when people, and by thank God, over this 15 years we've been in Pretoria, 16 years, it's really not been the case. And I honor God for people like you, that people don't come because that guy's preaching and because that guy's leading worship, but they come because Christ is here. And the commitment we have is we will have people who are called and gifted to preach because it's a gift. We also want to honor God in the way we handle the pulpit, in the way we handle worship. Man, I know your mom said you can sing and idols want you to sing, but we want to have people really gifted, not because they made idols, but because they're gifted. And not just because they're gifted, but they're anointed because they lead us into the worship of God. They're not performing. So we are looking to be excellent on whatever we do. But at all costs, I would rather play a CD than play a gifted guy who doesn't serve Jesus. Because this is the church of God. This is not idols. You see, Paul is saying, you need to keep your focus right. And so Paul gets to this incredible verse, which I believe brings this whole thing together. Verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. The New Living Translation put it this way. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters. You see, the New Living Translation added the sisters. I like that. 
by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with one another. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and in purpose. So there's a few principles we learn from this passage. Now think about verse four and to nine. He was talking about you were saved, graced and blessed. You were enriched in every way. Everything that you have and everything that you own is because of the grace of God. Take a deep breath and say thank you that you're still breathing. That's grace. You did not deserve that. It's grace. He says, keep in mind why you're alive. Keep in mind why you have relationship, why anything that's good is God. With all knowledge. And you'll lack no spirit. And he goes on and he says, Paul says to him, is there any reason apart from Christ that you should divide except Christ? There's moments where Christ becomes the reason. Many years back, I've had a friend that we were friends from the age of six, grew up together. When he entered into high school, I invited him to a camp and he gave his life to Christ. And I was over the moon because my friend gave his life to Jesus. And so we started to journey together. His dad did not enjoy that because his dad, I don't believe, was really saved. And his dad started to oppose his Christian walk. Although saying he's Christian, but he doesn't want his child to really serve Jesus. Which ultimately brought such pressure when he went to campus one after school, he would go into and study. And then he started to literally backslide. And I looked at my friend's life and whatever he shares with me and whatever he gets involved in, I just said, I don't agree with this. And I kept on praying for him and I kept on sharing with him, kept on loving upon him. And then every time he gets to me, I hear these things. And so one day I got to a place, you know what? I want to be friends with you for life. But I also want to serve Jesus for the rest of my life. And now I have a problem. I have to serve Jesus. And I want you to serve Jesus with me. And if you can't do that, you are breaking a relationship. I'm not breaking it. I have no desire to break a relationship. But I cannot agree with your lifestyle. The way you treat women, the way you treat your body, the way you do things is wrong. And you call yourself a Christian, but you live a deceived life. He was angry at me, drove in, got in his car and he just drove off. And I was saddened by it. But I realized I cannot compromise. I'm not going to give up Christ for a human being. Because they didn't die for me and they didn't save me. Three weeks later, he calls me back. He says, I don't want to break our relationship. And you're the only friend that I have that ever reminds me about Christ. Nobody else does. In fact, all my other friends encourage me to sin. I said, I also don't want to break relationship with God, with you. But then you have to restore your relationship with God because he's supreme. He repented and turned back to Jesus. So sometimes there is a place where we say, because of Christ, I'm drawing a line in the sand. But that's Christ. It's not other silly stuff. It's not this or that. And friends, you know what? What we read from this chapter, as we come to a conclusion, you find that there's what divides us. The first thing that divides us is a continual life of sin that will ultimately hurt your relationship. You know what's the ultimate goal of sin? It's not just the sin that you do. The result of sin is always broken relationships. Always. It starts with what you do. 
it ends up in disaster and broken relationships. Not one sin that you enjoy will not end up breaking relationships. Not one. Every single sin you do will end up destroying your relationship with God first. Then it will start because you have no more security in God and because you have no more peace in God and you have no more solution in God, you will start to turn to other things. And the moment you turn to other things, you will expect of them to be God and to fill the gap in your soul that only God can do. And now you'll start to use and abuse them. And because you do that, you'll have no relationship with them. Because it's only one God who can be God and the rest of them should be human beings. The first thing that divides is sin. The second thing that divides is pride. When you and I, our opinion, when your opinion anytime causes division, your opinion is unbiblical. Unless it's Christ, authentic Christ. The other thing that divides is silly preferences. I'm of Peter, I'm of Paul. We all are of Christ. We have leaders, we have people around us. But may we have Christ as the primary focus. So I want to give you the focus. Take this home with you. The principle of unity is Christ. He's the one who saved you. He's the one who will continue to save you. And he's the one you and I serve. And because of Jesus, we can like funny people like you. Because of Jesus, you can love people around you, behind you, in front of you. We look different, we speak different, we talk different, we eat different foods. And guess what? We're in one body, part of God's kingdom. I mean, in my class of 34 people, we're from different nations, 19 different nations, different opinions, different contexts, high context, low context, there's all kinds of things. And ultimately, it's the beauty of God's body. You know what it takes? It's not your preference, it takes humility. To embrace and learn from others who are not like you. That makes you a better person. The second principle is be mindful of him. Put your mind, put your conviction, put your priority and your focus on Jesus and not on the stuff. And the last thing is, he says, have a purpose. Make sure that you know what you see and what you say and what you live matters really. Christ died for all, that all can live for Christ. Christ for all and all for Christ. That's how we have unity. All for one and one for all. Brakan Jan, clever slogan. All for one, Christ died for all. Why did Christ die for all? That all can spend eternity with Him. God's desire is unity. Let you and I not live something else. And if there's issues, speak. If there's issues, phone the person. You know, as a leadership, we've never had issues. Yeah, right. They work with people like me. We have issues. But as long as we can humility, look each other in the face. Not try to be right, but make right. When we as a family can look each other in the eye and go to each other and say, you know what? I maybe misunderstood you, but you said that. Can we sort it out? Because I don't want our relationship to be on the table. You don't end up in divorce quickly. You work on divorce for many years and then one day you wake up and then it's too late. Nobody just get divorced. Broken relationships is hard work on the wrong side of it.
let's be relational builders. Let's be people who fight for unity, fight for one another. When you hear people gossip and you hear somebody got hurt, why don't we help you? Get healed, but don't gossip. Don't break lessons. Don't spread things. Let's work together. That's the unity that Paul was speaking about. It's not a perfect church. It's a church full of people like you. We all are still under construction. But can we have the humility to embrace each other in a house, you'll have a baby. The baby's very immature. And in the same house, you may have a 16-year-old who's more mature. But both of them are still children in your house. May we have a grace to allow people, may we allow people who do not know Jesus to come into our place and find peace and not expect them to perform. Let's allow them to get Jesus because when they get Jesus, He'll clean out your house. Father, we pray tonight. you would stay the primary focus, the reason for our existence, the reason why we're here tonight. Lord, whenever you are no longer the reason, the vision is the future. But because we keep you in the center of our hearts, Christ in us, the hope of glory, it's all about you, Jesus. You died for us and you saved us and you keep on saving us. You sanctify us and you are the reason why we serve you. And because we serve you, we can embrace everybody around us to together serve you. While your eyes are closed, you'll find in this chapter, the church actually got to such a place where they thought it even loving to not judge the sin. Even the guy sleeps with his mother-in-law, whatever, let's not judge it. That is not biblical unity. Biblical unity is not avoiding sin. Biblical unity is addressing sin. It's calling people to holiness. It's calling people away from sin. Calling people away from pride. Calling people away from their insecurities into Christ. I want you to hear tonight that you don't have to be perfect to be part of this family. But I do want to encourage you. Would you desire to move towards perfection? Would you imitate Christ and say, Lord, I want to become daily more and more like you. And journey with the people around you. Say, would you help me to become more like Jesus? Father, bless your people. If you're sitting here tonight and you're not sure that you're born again, you're not sure that your life is right with God, I want to encourage you, don't walk out of these doors and risk your eternity because your pride holds you away from surrendering your life to Jesus. If you're sitting here tonight, say, Philip, I don't, I'm not sure. You can be sure. And the way you become sure is by taking the word of God serious. And Lord, tonight, I want to surrender my life to you. My life is a mess. Here's my life. Don't you want to give, you, don't you want to give your life to Jesus? For too long, we mess up our own lives. Why don't you give it to Jesus and let him heal you? If that is you, don't you want to just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. You're not sure your life's right with God. Anybody else? See that hand there. See this hand, yeah. Somebody else. Anybody else? See your hand. Thank you, my brother. Anybody else? I see the hand there. Thank you. And you don't have to be as shy about this. You're meeting the creator of the universe. There's nothing to be shy about it. Because we want to journey with you and help you to grow spiritually. We're a family. 
And the family, we embrace you as you are and help you grow. I'm gonna ask you to do brave things just to help you. Would you just stand up just where you are if you raised your hand? Just stand up, please. Quick. Don't worry. Just stand up. Don't be shy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you raised your hand, don't be shy. I know it's not to embarrass you. It's really to help you and also to identify so we can journey with you. Anybody else? If your heart is beating inside and you're in the Holy Spirit saying to you, do this. Just take this humble step and say, Lord, it's me. Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to ask those of you standing, would you pray with me and the rest of you, would you pray with them? Pray this, Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. I realize my life is a mess. And without you, there's no hope. And tonight I come to you. I run to you. You are the only hope. Would you come into my life tonight? Would you change my life? I give you over the controls of my life. It's yours. I want to be your child. Save me. Forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge what you did on the cross. I ask your forgiveness. And tonight, I'm embracing you as my Lord and Savior. And I'm yours. Thank you that you've forgiven me and accepted me. Lord, we thank you for the greatest miracle known to mankind is the salvation of human beings. A rebirth, Lord God, taking place. A supernatural change of lifestyle from tonight on. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that they will never look back, ever look back, that their lives will never be the same again. Lord, thank you that they will no longer feel condemned. They no longer will feel guilty because the blood of Christ releases them from that guilt and that because you've forgiven them. And Lord, out of that release, may they start to love you passionately. And people around you see that, Lord God, the evidence of Christ at work in them. Put family family around them to support and strengthen them. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask those of you standing, friends around you, would you please connect with them as these leaders, some of the men just seen just afterwards, just quickly go to them, get their numbers and make sure that we connect with them. Let's give them a hand. I wanna ask those of you, thank you, you can sit down. A message like tonight needs action. If there's something in your heart against anybody here, make right this week. Don't postpone. If something happened, sort it out quickly. I want to encourage you, don't have a preference who preaches. We're differently gifted, but we serve the same Savior. Let's serve Jesus from a sincere heart I encourage you guys, let's unite. Let's reach Centurion. Let's reach this area for Christ. And from here, we're reaching the world. That's what we do. God bless you. Thank you.